use a microphone actually. I'm going to talk this morning about a verse you probably read lots and lots and lots of times. And just to go through it verse by verse, it's a story of Jesus calming the storm. And I just think it's a great verse to look at because it unpacks a load of things that are so helpful in our walk with Jesus. And uh, it's in, we're going to look at the version in Mark's Gospel. And um, it's in verse 35. So Mark 4, verse 35. And it says, That day when evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him, took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A, fu- a furious storm came up, and the waves broke over the boat, that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? that even the wind and the waves obey him. So we want to talk about the process that we, we hear a word from Jesus and then how we walk that through. So the disciples heard Jesus say, we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. That when Jesus speaks... He reveals his plans, he reveals his intention, he reveals his direction, he tells them where we're going, where he's taking them. But when Jesus speaks, he lets us see what is currently invisible in the world where we live. So when Jesus speaks, he tells us about where he's taking us. He tells us about his intentions, his direction. Mm. He tells us about things that we currently may not be able to see. He gives us a promise. And in this encounter, they've got a promise. We are going to the other side. His words guarantee the outcome. So when he speaks and says something, his words tell us what the outcome is going to be. Let us go over to the other side. Then they got in the boat and a furious squall or storm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly completely swamped. And so they heard a direction from Jesus. Go over to the other side and then in really in obedience, they've got in the boat and they've gone to go over to the other side. Then in the journey of going on to the other side, in the process of going to the other side, they find themselves in the middle of a storm. In the context of obedient action, they find themselves in crisis and in trouble. But nothing has gone wrong. They heard his leading, they heard his guiding, they heard his directing, 
it wasn't wrong. It's just the, the word has taken them into a process that is incredibly challenging and difficult and in their case feels life-threatening. I mean, these are seasoned fishermen, as many commentators would say. So, seasoned fishermen who know storms get terrified. It's a really big storm. Amen. But I think in our lives, we, we get prophetic words, we get promises, we have moments where we're with Jesus and a verse jumps off the page and we just know we've heard his voice. Amen. We just know it was him. You know, sometimes we get a prophetic word and yeah, we weigh it and we, 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 we say, does this resonate with the overall call of my life? And does this resonate with other prophetic words? And we weigh things and we, we consider things. But Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. And Jesus is really good at speaking and making sure that we hear. And that once we hear, we've got his direction and we know we've heard. And we know it was him. And we know we didn't get it wrong. Because we know we heard something. And then in the middle of obeying that, it can bring us into it can bring us into the middle of a storm. So when the process of obedience to a word brings us into a storm. We need to remember the original word and come back to the original word and say to him, but you said we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. That we need to, Paul says in Philippians, rejoice. And I say again, rejoice. Yes. Be, Be thankful. You said, you said this is the outcome. You said when I heard your voice, you told me and I saw what was currently invisible, but you let me see that faith is visionary. Faith is like a lens that we look through and enables us to see what God sees and sees from heaven's perspective. And in those moments of hearing his voice, we get to see what we previously couldn't see. And in the middle of the storm, we need to stand on, this is what you said, this is what you promised, this is what you said the outcome would be. We're going to the other side. And we don't want to bring ourselves into a place of being like James says, double-minded. So I think at the beginning of obedience to a word, there's weighing of a word, there's getting counsel about a word, there's getting that promise and does, does that match other promises that God has given and then faith is is an act an active thing we step out into that word but in the active obedience to that word it can bring us into a storm the disciples found themselves listening to another story they listened to a story that fear told them and fear told them we're going to drown that we're going to perish that we're not going to make it They listened to the narrative, to the story that fear told them. And then they said to Jesus, they woke him up and said to Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? And they're asking that because Jesus is in the boat, in the back of the boat, and Jesus is asleep on a cushion. 
And so they're in this storm, they've been obedient to Jesus, and Jesus doesn't seem to be very interested or very active or very observant. Jesus is asleep. And they take the reality that Jesus is asleep as evidence of the fact that Jesus doesn't really care. They come to a faulty conclusion. If you really cared, you wouldn't be asleep. An unbelief about the nature of Jesus' care is a major doorway for fear to walk through. That when we begin to believe the lie that the apparent lack of activity of Jesus is evidence of the fact he neither sees, observes or cares, we find ourselves in a place of anxiety and fear. And fear has the capacity to distort. That fear can distort the conclusions that we come to. Instead of the conclusion of believing faith, we are going to cross over to the other side because you said fear distorts them, they come to a different conclusion of we are going to drown. And because they didn't believe the original promise, the process completely shakes them up and leaves them riddled with absolute fear. And so there can be a process, if I hear a word, but before I take a step of active faith, I've got to come to a place of, I'm believing that word is for me. I'm believing that what I heard, he wants to do for me. So that when I then go into the process, and the process may take me and you through challenges and difficulties and storms, because we're certain of the original promise, we then have the capacity to believe during the storm, rather than getting riddled with anxiety, fear and unbelief. And Jesus asks them a question. He says, why are you afraid? He says to them in verse 40, he said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? That Jesus looks and he is concerned by their unbelief. That when he sees their unbelief and when he sees their unbelief about Jesus' Jesus's heart and Jesus' observation and Jesus' care, he doesn't ignore it. And he doesn't accommodate it. He doesn't say, oh well, they're just growing. He doesn't justify it and say, of course they're afraid and have no faith, they're in the middle of a storm. He doesn't cover it, and he doesn't just cover it with sympathy. He, he confronts it. And there's an expectation here that Jesus expects to be believed. That when he sees us in anxiety and fear and worry and it distorts our thinking and our conclusions, <coughs> Jesus' expectation is that we wouldn't go there, that we wouldn't walk through that doorway of fear, that we would 
trust him, that we would believe him, that we would believe his care and his observation. He's, he's saying to them, really, I really expected you to live in rest and I expected you to live in peace. That was my expectation of you. That even though you're in the middle of a storm and it's terrifying, he confronts their unbelief. I love that about Jesus. Because without that robust willingness to confront, where's the growth going to come? Amen. If he just came up to us and said, oh, don't worry, Jamie, I really understand your unbelief and I've got sympathy, I know it's tough. That sympathy and compassion are different things. Sympathy just excuses it and says, of course I don't expect much of you. Compassion comforts and also has the capacity to exhort also <coughs> to a greater level of believing. And that fear, Chris Valentin says, is the most socially accepted sin in the church. It's funny that we're called believers, but our greatest struggle is actually believing. Amen. Amen. And that Jesus actually expects us to believe him. And we're going to look next week, John 17, of since you can do nothing, how much help do you need? And that actually the life of the Spirit is a life of dependent connection. And we'll look at how his life flows to us and how his grace and empowerment causes us to believe. But still he is expecting us to be those who display believing faith. Yeah. That fear isn't a sin to be managed but it's actually a sin to be repented of. Amen. And that we need to be bold and robust with one another. And when we see a brother or sister locked into fear, to with kindness and compassion and empathy, say, you know what? You can trust him. He will care for you. He does see you. Because sympathy doesn't bring us out of a pit. It just, we get in the pit with the person and there's no empowerment to get out. Amen. So, faith and trust in Jesus is the doorway to living in the realm of peace. Yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, the whole of the Christian life is really, really simple. That all the fruit, all the things of peace and rest, are the result of simply abandoning ourselves to the kindness and the goodness and the love and the power and the affection of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And the whole journey of our lives is really to the points where we believe. And I guess it's a journey because there, as we go along with him, He's more and more convincing us and establishing our faith in loads of different areas. And we look back maybe on years ago and he said, well that was a big deal 20 years ago to believe for that. Now that's every day and ordinary. And then he's drawing us and leading us into more things where our faith is established. Jesus is asleep in the stern. And just to remember that Jesus is God... And Jesus is fully human. And Philippians tells us that he 
He functioned really as a man full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, he's God and he's man, but he functioned as a man empowered by God. So Jesus himself knows what it's like to believe. He knows why he's on earth. He knows he's going ultimately to the cross. And he knows he's not going to die in the middle of this lake in a storm. That he himself knows I'm going to the other side. Because ultimately I've got a, an appointment with the cross in Jerusalem. So he knows he's not going to drown in that moment. That's why Jesus is able to sleep in the storm. Because Jesus himself is living with the peace of heaven. I know, Father, you're leading me towards Calvary. I know I'm not going to die here in this lake. And Jesus invites us into the same experience of peace guarding our hearts and minds. That there is a peace that goes beyond our logical understanding. I love what Pete Carter says, that you have to have a peace that goes beyond your understanding. You have to have circumstances that you don't understand. Hmm. You have to have circumstances where you can't control the outcome, where you don't have the power to make something happen, where you don't have the capacity to guard and protect and, and bring something about for yourself and that you choose in that moment to trust another Jesus to work it all through Amen. sometimes we have a peace because our world is so small and because we're in control of every dimension and aspect of that world but faith is stepping out in activity towards God that takes us on a journey into a process where we are not in control and we can't predict all the elements. And it's in that place where we need a peace that goes beyond our understanding. A peace where we don't hold the capacity to influence all the outcomes. But we find a peace in the surrender and acknowledgement there is one who both sees me and cares for me and is with me and then they say who Jesus was in the stern asleep, the disciples woke him he got up rebuked the wind and said to the waves quiet be still then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And then they asked, who is this? Who is this? He says in 41, even the wind and the waves obey him. So there's a revelation of who Jesus is that only comes through faith-filled, obedient action in response to his word. But if our world is so small and we're in control and there's no obedience to his word and to his voice, then we cut ourselves off from impossible circumstances. 
we find ourselves in a very small world where we don't really need the miraculous, wonder-working God who can speak to storms and speak to wind and speak to waves and make them still. Difficult circumstances are actually an opportunity to discover who Jesus is. It's rather cool to be believers. That's why it's a life of faith. Sometimes we get a promise from God and we want to know. Tell me every step. Tell me every moment. Tell me the whole strategy in advance. Tell me how you're going to do it and when you're going to do it and what it's going to look like. If you tell me the whole thing, then I'll step out. But that's not the life of faith. The life of faith is, he speaks, we hear, we step out and he meets us. And in that stepping out and him meeting us, he brings us into sometimes difficult circumstances where we need a miracle and we need a breakthrough and we need a provision and we need a resource and we need capacity and we need character and we need skills and we need ability and we need friends and we need people alongside us. And he brings us into those places so that in the midst of it, he can turn up and we're able to say, who is this? That even even resources obey him. (laughs) Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? That impossible circumstances allow us to see, to know, to believe and to trust him at a deeper level. That the process the process of crossing over to the other side is what is absolutely necessary to enter into and inherit the promises that yes. he gave at the beginning. Yeah. That the process that these disciples went to, that they saw and experienced that even the wind and the waves obeyed Jesus, yeah. is what equipped them after the resurrection and the glorification and the ascension to then bring the gospel to the whole earth. They were with Jesus. They saw the power of Jesus. They saw the capacity of Jesus. And so when Jesus then filled them with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 and they commissioned to take the gospel to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, it was the process of being in the storm and being afraid and being full of unbelief and finding Jesus rebuke their unbelief and his expectation that they should believe in all circumstances that created the metal in their spine that enabled them to then inherit the promises that he was giving them. That when we find ourselves in the midst of stuff and we withdraw our faith and withdraw our expectation and we withdraw through disappointment and discouragement and we say, I'm not ever, ever putting myself in that position again. It's at that point we plateau. It's at that point we've said to Jesus, this is as far as I'm ever going to go with you, we're never going any further. Yes. But in the midst of things, if we learn to fight our battles by reminding ourselves of the prophetic promises, the scriptures that came alive, the words he spoke to our heart, you said, you said you'd do it. You said you'd make a way where there is no way. You promised breakthroughs, you promised provision, you promised resources, you promised that you would make me able to walk in these things. I'm trusting you for it, Jesus, because you're not a liar. And in that moment, we grow in strength in the context of the storm we're in, 
that we might get to the other side, that we might be able to take more land, to take more ground, and take more of our inheritance. The process establishes and increases faith. And so, when we hear his voice, go to the other side. And when we find ourselves in circumstances that challenge that original promise, and we find ourselves in unbelief and questioning the care and observation of Jesus, it's a beautiful moment when he says to us, do you still have no faith? Why are you so, why are you so full of unbelief? It's not a condemning thing. It's not a criticism. It's an opportunity to grow and say, you know what, Jesus? I wanted to believe you. Help my unbelief. Jesus, give me belief in this. Increase my faith. Let me see what's invisible. Let me see how good and powerful and strong you are. I'm sorry, Jesus, that I questioned you. I'm sorry that I was still so weak in my faith and so full of unbelief. Sorry where disappointment and discouragement and frustration got in. Jesus, establish my faith. And then we grow into this place of saying, I'm always safe. I'm always safe because you say I am. I'm always safe. We're always going forward because you say I am. Mm. Hallelujah.